0: I'll be reading the Bible, Uh, we're reading from Malachi chapter 4, and if you've got these Bibles just in front of you under the seat, uh, it's on page 780. Surely the day is coming, it'll burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord God Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left for them. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under your, the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. <coughs> Remember the Lord. uh, Sorry, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. (coughs) See, I will send the the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction.
1: Well, friends, the first thing to say is, you think, why are we reading that passage? So if you're visiting tonight, uh, we have been preaching through the book of Malachi, which is a a prophet in the Old Testament. And we now come to the final passage, and uh, he leads us into the New Testament. And hopefully you'll hear a message of uh, life, including a message of coming judgment and the importance to be ready for that day. Let me pray that God would speak to us. Lord God, we thank you that you are God of righteousness and justice, and you'll make all things right on that final day. And we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ stepped into human history to live the perfect life, to die a sacrificial death, to be raised from the dead on the third day, and now to reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, offering us forgiveness and new life if we put our faith in him. Help us Lord to be ready ...for that day, that final day when we face you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, uh, let me say that when life is going well, it's hard to look forward to heaven... ...and it is hard to see the need for God's judgment. If your life is going well, you don't think about those things too often. This year, I've been trying to use up my holidays. I've been backing up the holidays and I have to use them. So uh, my wife and I spent two weeks on the South Island of New Zealand... In April, had a bit of a break. Life is good. It was absolutely beautiful. In September and October, my wife and I spent three weeks in Greece. We went, there you go. (laughs) Take it easy. We went to Athens, Thessalonica, the islands of Mykonos, Paros, Corfu. I think that's Mykonos just there. It was 26 to 32 degrees every day. Beaches, good food, historic sites. And and these days, on Wednesdays, I babysit my granddaughter. She's gorgeous. We have lovely beaches in Australia. We have mountains, jobs. We go to universities. We have friendships. We have a loving church community. And Sarah shared some of that with us today. When things are going well in life, we often live as, as if there is nothing better than this. And as one pastor said, Sydney is a good enough heaven for most people. Sydney is a good enough heaven for most people. We live for the here and now and we don't think about eternity. But for those who know oppression, injustice, and hardship, the promise of a better future is met with eager anticipation. While I was in Greece, Hamas attacked Israel, just around the corner from where we were staying. And everything changed. 1,400 people killed, hostages taken. Israel has retaliated with brutal force. They say 10 to 14,000 people dead, whole communities destroyed. And we're reminded again that we live in a fallen, broken world where sin and violence is everywhere. And if you're in the middle of it, you look forward to a better day. You look forward to a day of judgment. God, will you make things right? God, will you punish the evil doers? Life has to be better than life in Gaza or with the Taliban in Afghanistan. Life has to be better than having your girls kidnapped in Nigeria. Life has to be better than being trafficked in Asia. Life has to be better than being exploited in a factory in Bangladesh. Life has to be better than suffering domestic violence. And see, Malachi tells us, Prophet Malachi, that a day will come when God will set all things right. Right? He'll bring prosperity to those who love and trust in him, but he'll also bring justice and righteousness upon the earth. In fact, the Bible looks forward to new heavens and a new earth following Jesus' second coming. Now, Malachi looks for the day of prosperity, which the prophets had claimed. They look forward to a better day, but also the day of the Lord, hear that expression, also speaks of a day of judgment. The day of the Lord is when God brings salvation to his people, but the day of the Lord is also when he brings judgment on his enemies. that's the context of what we're dealing with in Malachi chapter 4. Now, we saw last week, for those who were here, and I'll read a couple of verses out of chapter 3, that the people of God in about 430 BC, that's where we are, 430 years before Christ, they they failed to serve the Lord, they failed to honour him, and Malachi challenges them to put God first, to get the priorities right. But the people question God's justice. They question whether it's worth following Jesus. They said, you have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evil doers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. So people are questioning God. Maybe you're questioning God today and they're saying, God, what's the use of following you? All the evil people make the money. They have the big holidays. They have the big houses. And God, I'm serving you. I'm giving my life to you and I'm working with a youth group on a Friday night or serving with the kids. And all those non-Christians get everything. God, whose side are you on, right? This is sort of the thinking of the people and they question God. Is it worth following you, God? And Malachi declares that the difference will be clearly shown on Judgment Day. Hold on, he says. The evildoers will not get away with what they do forever. There is a day of judgment coming. And as Malachi preaches, there's a group of people within the people of Israel, people of God, who listen. Most of the people are still doing their own thing. I mean, it's interesting that Sarah was saying in her testimony that even though she came to church, she was really pursuing other things. She looked Christian, or religious or whatever you want to term it but she knew inside of her her heart wasn't right this is what the people are like but then there was a group of people then those who feared the Lord talked with each other it's a group of people who are going to put God first and the Lord listened and heard a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name they will be mine says the Lord Almighty in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them just as in compassion, a man spares his son who serves him. And you'll again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. On the final day, we're very clear who is on God's side and who isn't. So we look at verses one to three. He says, the first thing is the final judgment is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And we need to realize that the biblical view of history is not cyclical, but it is linear. It starts somewhere, it has a definite beginning with God's creation of the universe, and it is building to a final climax. In this world, there is sin, there is unfairness, there is inequality, there is racism, uh, there is sexism, all types of sins that take place. But God will make things right on the final day. Christ returns, the dead will be raised, the Bible says, heaven and earth as we know it will pass away, making way for the new heaven and the new earth. God's final judgment will be executed. And we're told in verse 1, there's eternal punishment for those who reject God at that point. Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire. Not a root of branch will be left to them. It will be a terrible day for those who continue to raise their fist at God and say, God, stay out of my life, I'll do things my way. Which is essentially what sin is, isn't it? I'll do things my way, I don't want to follow Christ. It's my life. I'll do what I want. It will be a terrible day of judgment. But friends, the good news is this: Let me take you to John chapter three, sixteen to eighteen, for a moment. Because the Bible, even in the New Testament, says there's going to be a clear distinction between those who believe and those who reject Him. And this most beautiful verse, verse sixteen, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Some perish, some have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, we're all in desperate need and trouble. We need saving. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Sarah has done, you don't face God at judgment and will be condemned. No, no. There's no condemnation now, the Bible says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So at the age of 14, my state, my spiritual state was I was condemned because I had not trusted in Jesus. When I, at the age of 15, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I went from being a condemned person to a person who no longer faces condemnation. You see, I went from being a, a non-Christian to being a Christian, being an enemy of God, becoming a friend of God, being in the kingdom of darkness, then become into the kingdom of light. and major transformation took place when I received Christ and repented of my sins. So it makes it clear even in, in, in John's Gospel that we are already under the judgment of God unless we repent and come out of that. John 3, 36 says a similar thing. Whoever believes in the Son, get this, has eternal life, it's a present possession, but whoever rejects the son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him, or her. So, human beings pretty much start rebelling against God, being under His judgment, until we repent. It's interesting. Jesus said, uh, in, when He was speaking, he said, "There's a wide road that leads to death and destruction, and there's a narrow road that only a few find." So don't be surprised if most of your friends at school or university or your neighbours don't follow Jesus. Jesus said that's how it would be. Wide road that leads to death and destruction. Narrow road that leads to life. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, the Apostle Paul writes and warns the people. He said, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at, out among those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. When Christ returns, some of us are going to say, what a beautiful, glorious God he is, while others come under God's judgment. And then secondly, there's the eternal life for those who serve God, verses 2 and 3. Okay, there is judgment, but there is life also. But for you who revere my name, who trust me, who listen to me, who obey me, who love me, the son of righteousness, notice that when it says the son of righteousness, S-U-N, okay? It's talking about the son of righteousness. We'll show you the link in the New Testament in a moment. Will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. There is joy, there is celebration, that's the picture. It's going to be so good that you, you'll be free, you'll be liberated, you'll be healed, you'll be restored, you'll be made perfect. And then you will trample down the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord. It's son of who's the son of righteousness who's coming? In Luke chapter 1, 76 to 79, Zechariah, who is John the Baptist's father, says this. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. This is John the Baptist, comes before Jesus. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Notice that S U N again. It links us to uh, to the prophet Malachi. The rising sun will come to us from heaven. Who is that? That's Jesus. To shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. He comes with Jesus comes with healing in his wings. He brings us new heavens, new earth. He brings us forgiveness. We've been singing about he, he took our punishment for us. He was crushed in our place for our sins. As a result of this, Jesus who comes will be set free. And then uh, God's justice will take place. But as God pronounces judgment and justice, we are part of his people enforcing that justice. Then you will trample down the wicked There'll be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I do these things, says the Lord. So how do we get prepared for that judgment day? There's a judgment for those who reject him. There's a life for those who accept him. And it comes ultimately through Jesus, the son of righteousness. And he says here, well, guys, Israel, that's the first context, Israel, submit to the word of God, will you? Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at horror for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah, before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. He says, I'm going to send you Elijah. I'm going to see who is this Elijah. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Remember, he says God's word. Go back to what God has taught you. Don't listen to any new ideas. Don't listen to the false gods. Don't listen to the false religions that are all around Israel. And for us, don't listen to the false gods. Go back to the word of God. Listen to what God has revealed for us, and things will go well with you. He says, The Elijah to come would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I'll come and strike the lamb with the curse. One of the things that happens in a dysfunctional society is that children don't listen to parents, and parents don't get on with children. And in the Old Testament, we're called to children, are called to submit to their parents. Our parents are called to love and, and raise up their children according to the way of the Lord. And this is just one example. I think that seems to be the reason why he puts it here. One example of how things are going to be transformed on this new day when people put God's word first. Then he said "You need to repent, submit to God's word." Secondly, repent. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Who's Elijah? Has he come? You know what Jesus tells us? He gives us the answer. It's great to read your Bibles because it tells us what the answer is. Who's this Elijah guy from Malachi? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 13 and 14, Jesus makes it clear that the Elijah he's talking about is not the same Elijah from the Old Testament, but someone who comes in the spirit of that Elijah, who is John the Baptist. For all the prophets and the Lord prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So you read the Old Testament Malachi, you think Elijah's coming, who's this guy, this prophet? Is he coming back from heaven? No, no, he's not coming back from heaven. John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah. He preaches the word of God. He cries out for justice and purity. Uh, He urges people to repent of their sins. He baptizes them, John the Baptist, down by the Jordan River. Even Jesus goes down to him. He prepares the way for Jesus to come. He gets everyone ready. Guys, you've got to turn from your sin. You've got to be ready. The Messiah is coming. The Savior of the world is coming. Get ready. He's coming. And in the coming of John the Baptist and the coming of the life of Jesus, in one sense, judgment has already arrived. There is a sense in which the last day, the day of judgment, was brought forward and broke into history with the coming of Jesus. What do I mean by that? When Jesus comes, your response to Jesus will determine your ultimate destiny. You don't have to wait till judgment day to see what will happen to you. Your response to Jesus today will affect your eternal destiny. The Bible says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. If you are a genuine repentance. Then you stand as a child of God on that judgment day. The Bible, Revelation says your name is written in the book of life. Revelation twenty says there are these other books open. There's all the names of the unbelievers, but there's one book, the book of life, for those who trust in Jesus. Believe in Him, your name gets written in the book of life. You're safe and secure for eternity. When people receive or reject the Lord Jesus, they are passing judgment day verdicts upon themselves. I uh, used to be a high school teacher in my former life, it's a long time ago now, but I taught mathematics, great subject, very little marking, so it's excellent. And uh, quick marking at least. And I used to—I had a U10 class and uh, they were sort of not too bright, and they didn't want to do much maths. So they would always ask me spiritual questions, because I used to run the Christian group at our school. I'd take them away on camps for weekends and run outreach concerts and so on, and so, I was the ISCF leader, Inter-School Christian Fellowship leader, so they would distract me from maths, and we would uh, talk about other things. And someone in their, um, in their family, I think one of the parent, student's parents had passed away, or grandparent had passed away, and they started asking me about what will happen when they die. Now, I got distracted from the maths. So I was happy to answer some of their questions, genuine questions. I was happy to lay aside maths for a little while. And then the girl said, uh, one of them said, um, I remember her, I can picture her now, will I go to heaven, sir, she asked. And I said, well, I can't judge you, and that's between you and God, but I can tell you what the Bible says, how you can know you're going to heaven, and if you're not. And I used, because this is the old days when they had the old blackboards and chalk, Remember? And you don't remember that. But I had chalk and a blackboard, so I, I drew on the blackboard the uh, Bridge to Life illustration. You have a copy of that up on the screen. I said, well, let me explain it to you. I said, God created us to have a relationship with Him, and uh, I drew the two cliffs. But unfortunately, because we've sinned against God, we've rejected Him, we've, we've hurt one another, that's what the Bible calls sin. We are now separate from God, and we're separate on two different sides of the cliff. I said, sometimes... Uh, we realise that we've messed up and we try to get back to God to the other side and, and we try to be good and we fall short. We can't quite make it over. Or sometimes we become religious, we go to church regularly, as Sarah indicated, and, but that doesn't get us to God either. Or sometimes we give money to the Salvation Army, we think, well, we give some of my money, maybe that will get me to the other side, become one of God's people. So we try all that we can, but we always try, but we always fall short. And no matter what we do, Because of our sin, we deserve death and judgment. And therefore, there has to be some other way of salvation. And I said to them, when I drew this, I said, what can we do? And I said, the good news of Jesus is this, that God left heaven, came to earth at Christmas, born as a baby. He grew up, though his purpose was to grow up, to die on a cross. And then I draw draw the cross there. And the cross, Jesus, through his death in our place, by taking the punishment for our sins, makes a way back to God. You no longer have to suffer eternal death. You can find forgiveness and no longer be separate from God. But then I asked them as I drew that cross, I said, where are you standing? Are you over there? Are you close to the cross? Are you ready to give your life to Jesus and cross over? Or have you crossed over? And so I drew a person on the other side, on God's side, and said, only those who are on God's side, who've made that decision, will have eternal life. Now, you have a choice. I'm not going to make a judgment for you, but this is how the Bible describes it. It's the bridge to life. And I said to them, as I often said, you know, you guys are 14 and 15, I was your age when I made that decision to say thank you to Jesus for what he's done for me, to receive him as Lord and Saviour, At that point, I crossed over and made Jesus my Lord and my Saviour. I said to them, I have confidence that I will be with Jesus after my death, not because of my goodness, not because I'm a good teacher or I love you as students or I am respectful to my parents, but because Jesus has taken my place and died for my sins. It's a free gift. See, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, And I said, you can receive that and come to Jesus Christ afterwards. And then she said to me, but sir, am I going to heaven? (laughs) I said, that's between you and God. You know the message now. In one sense, you have no excuse. And tonight, you have no excuse. You know the message. You know what it takes to come to become a follower of Jesus. But let me say that uh, this passage by Malachi also does something else. It reminds us that even within the church, there are two kinds of people, the saved and the lost. You see, because Malachi is writing to the people of God in the Old Testament. And within them is only a certain group, even though others said, you know, we're God's people, they weren't authentically God's people. They didn't trust in Jesus. They lived for pleasure or they lived for some other God rather than living for God. And God has warned us, and Jesus has warned us, that on Judgment Day, there'll be some surprises for some people. It says in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? He will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And Jesus was saying there are a lot of imposters in life. And I know at different times I have to Search my own heart. Am I genuine about for loving Jesus, trusting in Jesus? Am I putting this on? And you have to ask that question. Have you been playing, pretending with God? Maybe you 50 or 60, you've been pretending with God. Maybe a 30, you've been pretending with God, or 20, you've been pretending with God. If you're not sure you have peace with God, make peace with God. Put him first and pray to him and say, God, I know I struggle, but I just want to submit myself completely to you and to your lordship. I want you to be Lord and saviour. Friends, let me say, you don't want to get to judgment day unforgiven. Let me put it this way. Imagine your life comes to an end or the second coming happens and you face God. You walk up to him and God looks at you and he knows whether you belong to him or not. And he says to you, what are you doing here unforgiven? You say, well, I'm not, I wasn't sure that it mattered that much, or I got distracted by my friends at school, or I got distracted by my university, or my wife, or my kids, or I got distracted by money. Or I, got, I didn't think it really mattered that much. What would God say? If it didn't matter that much, why would I send my son to go to earth, leave heaven and the beauty and the glory, to live as a human, to suffer loneliness and rejection and pain and beatings, and to be hung up on a cross. Why would I send my son to do that if it didn't matter? And sadly, he'll say to many, away from me, I never knew you. Friends, we need to meet God, have confidence we meet God, Forgiven, transformed as one of his children. Because, you know, Malachi said, surely the day is coming. Jesus said, the day is coming. Paul said, the day is coming. The Apostle Peter said, the day is coming. The book of Revelation says, the day is coming. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Run to the Father through Jesus. Claim and ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness ask for mercy, ask for new life, and live for him. Let me pray. Lord God, I do pray for each one of us here tonight that we would be honest before you, sincere before you. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our minds, you know our desires. Lord, help us to trust in you and you alone for salvation. Help us to not only trust you for salvation but to submit to your lordship your leadership in our lives that we would live for your glory that we would not waste our lives but live in such a way as that our lives have meaning and purpose and significance and point people to your grace and your love in Christ our saviour lord I did pray for anyone who's not yet one of your children they might see your glory your love your mercy your sacrifice your perseverance with us, and turn and believe and find new life. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.